Criminal Magic. Chapter 26. Wednesday, 1456, GMT-8. One day soon, this whole bloody mess will be resolved. The only question is whether we will be present to appreciate that fact. Well, Pill says as he moves into the room, looks like y'all are well on into working on whatever it is needs fixing. The raucous noise of hotly contested views evaporates as members of the planning group realize Pillhead is not alone. Count on Pill for some interesting choice of friends, Marcia says, as she turns her attention toward the newcomers. Mikio, isn't it? Her voice betrays neither surprise nor irritation, but rather conveys a studied casualness, as if she was inquiring into the price of a sale item found while shopping. Aramichi Mikio gives a slight bow. Yes, he says politely. And you are Miss Marcia Heinzman, right? I hope I am pronouncing that correctly. My pleasure meeting you. Pill has moved away from Aramichi and taken a seat at the table next to Coordinator. So, he says, Mr. Mikio here was fixing to take a stroll up on the north end. Turns out he was looking for you, pointing at Kali. He suggested you might have a strong interest in some information he has. Pilhad John bends forward in his chair, reaches up and runs his hands through the mop of hair that is falling into his face. So, uh, I figured maybe we should uh, hear what the man has to say, seeing who he is and all. There's a brief, confused silence, which Aramichi Mikio breaks. You know how it is when you are taking a trip, he says, and you pass through an area which has been isolated for a long time from much contact with the modern world. A rutted dirt road, perhaps an ox cart full of hay blocking your passage. Part of you, the adventurer, the spectator, stares at this remnant of the ancient world that has appeared like a postcard for you to see. The aging wood cart with its rickety spoked wheels and the young man, dressed in nothing but a simple wrap and a headscarf whipping the oxen to get them to move along. The scene, as you can imagine, is romantic. But even though you're on vacation precisely to enjoy the wonders of a world that has practically disappeared, you find yourself annoyed. Why can't he get the damn cart out of the way? When am I going to be able to pass? You don't want to appear obnoxious, so you wait. But you remain frustrated by the way things are, deprived of your enjoyment by your own desire to get on with it. Ari pauses and scans his audience, making an effort to determine whether he has their full attention. He nods slightly. That's why I came here today. As you already know, I work for the association. My employers brought me here on this project with the idea of a certain specific outcome. Our agreement hinged on their willingness to ensure for me several specific conditions. Principal among those was the caveat that no action would be taken against the interests of Newtown without my express instruction. This is usual with me. I'm in a search for interesting moments, but not generally those created by others with different visions. So I arrive here, I begin my work, I let myself enjoy the wonders of my new home, but then I discover that things are not what they seem. My instructions have not been followed. Coordinator loses her patience. Excuse me, she says. It's Aramichi, right? Good. Listen, Aramichi, do you think you could get to the fucking point? Let him finish, Kali says. His manner is civil, but it's clear from his tone that this is not a request. Thank you, Mr. Gray, Harry nods. So I am the driver of the touring car. A part of me has been enjoying immensely the experience I've been having here in the beautiful city of Portland. But now, like our vacationer, I find I am annoyed by the actual state of things. May I sit? 
Lechoff prods an empty chair toward Ari with a foot. Thank you, Ari says, smiling at the bony weapons expert as he seats himself. I apologize for the unorthodox approach. I'm sure it would have been more convenient if I had called for an appointment. Tom Jarvis pipes up. From what we understand, Mr. Mikio, he says directly, you're anything but orthodox. It's a statement of fact meant only to convey the security worker's thoroughness. I appreciate your familiarity with my working methods, Harry says with a smile. But let me say, I'm here precisely because I find myself blocked on my way to seeing what solutions are available to the problems I've been hired to address. Like our intrepid autoist, my way is blocked by an element of the old world, but unlike him, I will not tolerate the roadblock. I cannot allow it. I see you're a real fine storyteller, Mr. Mikio, Kali says, but we're in the middle of a very important session here. And if you could get to the other side of the metaphor sometime soon, I'm sure we'd all appreciate it. Please forgive the roundabout approach, he says. His discomfort at being hurried shows as he squirms slightly, adjusting his seat and approach simultaneously. A group of old regime managers, he goes on, has formed a secret security detail within Portland's pusher unit. And evidently, they believe in using ancient means to remedy modern problems. This unit is operating on a proprietary timeline and is currently outside my direct control. Marcia leans into the table. Which means what exactly to us, she asks. Aramichi leans back in his chair and surveys the room once again. It means, he says, that there will soon be an attempt on Mr. Gray's life by an assassination unit deployed without association authorization. Wednesday, 1501, GMT minus 8. With the Colorado blown, the Columbia is really the last great western river still in shackles. The snake was liberated by Ecotagers not long after River Day, but that time at least the downstreamers were prepared and the casualties were minimized. Not long after, the feds instituted a no-go policy around all of the Columbia dams, particularly Grand Coulee. Shoot on sight, take no prisoners. No one on top was willing to take any chance with the hydro. That was just too valuable. As they slip up the back of the Great River, Anser finds himself thinking of the periodic deluges that carved the gorge eons ago, wondering at the very idea of that much water cascading down the system, carving the dolls like a hot knife through butter. The pitch of the engine shifts down, and he can feel the boats slip deeper into the water as they slow. The operator comes walking back to where Anser sits. Can set you up at Company Lake, he says. Sandbar up at Beaver Creek is real nice and stable. Good landing. From there, it's just a quick overland to the old port. Answer nods and gets up. Sounds fine. After a few minutes of careful navigation, the boat is pulled up alongside a long, low bank, mostly concealed by brambles. About 30 meters ahead is a slight break, and Answer can see through to a rough path. See it, the operator says, pointing toward the path. Through up there and then left at the lake. Answer reaches out to shake the man's hand. Appreciate the ride. Thanks for the lack of hassle, he says. No worries, the operator responds. Hope you find what you're looking for. Answer looks quickly at him, and the operator shrugs slightly. Plenty of seekers in Newtown, he says. After something to change him, wind, people, whatever. There's a look, you got it, that's all. You watch yourself now, caution on the left side. He turns without a further word and shuffles back up to the helm. 
Answer stares after him for a moment before hopping onto the shore. As soon as he's off the riverboat, it powers up and moves back into the downstream current. Answer begins running again, feeling an animal warmth welling up inside him as he runs, the sensation of once again being in motion toward the action, any action at all. In a short time, he's at the fenced boundary of the old airfield. One section of the rusty razor wire is long since slashed and Answer scales the fence and climbs over onto the grassy runway. Over at the terminal building, he uses his passkey to open an old hangar, thinking of his flight to safety not so long ago with Harrison Lynn to almost this very spot. He steps inside and walks over to a three-meter-high shape covered in heavy canvas. Gonna be time to replenish the stashes soon, he thinks. I've just about used everything up on this gig. Pulls the canvas off, revealing an insectile ultralight, one of the pre-VTOL personal craft once so popular with the urban commuter set. The bulky old hydro engine hangs like a distended thorax from the rear, but the old beast lights up on first ignition, a sign of answer's maintenance. He opens the Lexan bubble and climbs in, strapping himself into the webbing and flushing the throttle. Once out onto the runway, he guns the ultralight and flings himself skyward. The limited trip AI indicates something just short of 45 minutes to destination, so Answer checks out for a few minutes, letting himself relax while he suspects maybe the last time for a little while. Wednesday, 15.02, GMT minus 8. Someone coughs and grimaces to start several faces, the building oozes mechanical sound. A slight chill tinges the atmosphere as the blanket of distrust settles over the conference room. Pill sits, bent forward, elbows resting on massive thighs. Assassination, is it, he says. <laughs> Doesn't anybody ever get a new idea? Always end up back at that same cheap-ass workaround. Kali examines Aramichi Mikio's face, trying to find something behind his relaxed expression. He knows a fair amount about this man, knows that he is reputed to be a very independent thinker. They have, of course, been trapping him since his arrival, understanding that his very presence signifies a fundamental shift in tactics. But what the change would portend, what the practical effects of the way the association will do business has yet to reveal itself, and now this. Kali stares into the eyes of the blocky man seated in front of him. Why tell us this? Kali asks with the force of an inquisitor. Better to get these fundamental questions right on the table. The clock is ticking, and this clearly needs cleaning up. What possible benefit could you derive from coming here to let us know there's a conspiracy in your own shop to kill me? Kali stands up and begins pacing the room. I'm sure, he says, you can see how your appearance here, your willingness to share every sensitive bit of information, raises questions about your motives and how you might benefit. Yeah, Pill interjects. Wouldn't it be better for you people to keep this under your own hat so some short hitters from corporate storage go gangland and start blowing people up at Newtown's top? That doesn't help you. Aramichi Mikio takes a look around. The questions are difficult. How to answer? <clears throat> he clears his throat. No doubt, he says, my unexpected appearance here could be interpreted in many ways. I confess, on the face of it, there's no apparent benefit in my exposing such a plot against you, in traditional terms, you, he waves a covering hand around the group, all of you in Newtown are the enemy and your removal would benefit me. But 
This is not the way I portray living beings in my own mind as simple pieces on a board game. If you know about me at all, and you seem to be familiar with some of my work, then you know that I'm not interested in the old methods or old results. That is why I'm telling you about what I've discovered. The old ways no longer work in the world. I want something different, a new course. For me, this is not an issue of loyalty. Do not bother trying to divine my motives. I myself am not clear about them. <laughs> yeah, Bill mutters, but the outcome's always gonna be the same. Harry stands and bows toward the group. Forgive the intrusion. I hope that I have said something you can take seriously. It is the truth. He shrugs and gives a weak smile. I would give you more specifics, but I am also left out and my leverage from my shop is not high. Time, be assured if I can prevent the strikes, I will, but time is what you need to be considered with. These are not my methods. And with that, the sturdily built young executive turns away from his impromptu interview and moves toward the door. Luz has been sitting on the floor with her back against the wall since Anser left, watching the pulsing green of bluish energy that the Indu manager casts off. She is curious. She opens her eyes and appraises Ari as he rises to leave. Certainly there is more to him than he lets on, but at least some of what he says is true. This is no murderer. She glances up and catches Kali's eye ever so slightly, nodding. Wait up, Mr. Mikio, Kali says. Standing up, I'll walk you out. Liz's silent approval moves him to investigate the substance of this man a little further. There's a lot of logistics to work out, but these folks can handle all of the other things for a few minutes. Before the door can swing shut behind them, the rising volume of animated conversation and contention has once again risen in the conference room. Thursday, 9.05, GMT-8. Answer leans forward, his head practically touching the window as he examines the handheld tools on display at Winton's hardware. It amazes him how small cell-powered saws and drills have become no bigger than the palm of your hand. Apart from a feigned interest in the arcana of woodworking, he is using the broad storefront sheet of glass as a mirror. The past two minutes, only half a dozen passerbys have swept behind him, and none of them have given him more than a glance or are looking over. The gas station's corroded pumps, sagging service canopy, both gradually composting into history, are reflected where they stand alongside the brick facade of Concrete's firehouse. Not a soul has pulled into the station since he's been watching. This town was past its prime 30 years ago. Even the massive faux stone silos at the entrance to the town are looking bowed down by the weight of irrelevance. Trust no one. People fail. Answer knows that it is increasingly unlikely the hit teams that targeted him and Coordinator are still working their case now that Kohler's game is known. But still, new face, new place. Even if Kohler doesn't have hitters out this far, he probably has eyes here. It takes a certain discipline not to reach up and rick the fake beard off his face. Answer dislikes disguises, but the conventions of technology make them an occasional necessity. His anonymity is his best tool. Here the enemy knows him, has seen him up close, and if Kohler's security radius reaches this far west, under the local police station perhaps, well, better to believe that it does than regret thinking otherwise. He steps into the hardware store, 
As he makes his way down the aisle, he's struck by how long it's been since he was in a real dry goods store, one whose wood floors are darkened and cobbled by the polish of endless foot traffic, where lag bolts and lathe screws are hidden in bins up near the eaves that are easily accessed with a rolling ladder. There's the smell of kerosene and welding rods. Must be a tin shop in the back. Galluses and slack pants for lumberjohns from a section dedicated to racks of caulk boots, all telling the tale of logging culture not entirely extinguished. A pint canister of camp fuel, half a dozen flares, boot grease, strike anywheres, a come-along with a hundred-foot spool of cable, leather gloves, and a bottle of muriatic acid. As an afterthought, he picks up a cheap day pack. Can I get a box of nine millimeters? He says to the clerk at the checkout counter. s and is fine, yeah, mm-hmm. red points. Got any flash bulbs? He puts a dry cell battery, backs a plastic wrap, and a roll of copper wire on the counter. On the way out, he stops to stroke the enormous tabby cat lying on a feather bed out by the post door. Nice work, if you can get it, he says to the cat. He climbs into the beater flatbed and swings onto the road. He can still see the look of pleasant surprise on the face of the old dairyman, whose place he'd walked up to after landing along the sea of grass flat valley bottom outside Cedro Woolley. Know anybody around here and have an old truck I could buy, he said. It was mighty early in the day for strangers. Of course, nowadays, any time was a strange to encounter a new face. On the other hand, it was mighty goddamn lonely on the place since the wife took sick and died year before last. Least a body could do was listen. After the requisite ten minutes of stranger vetting, it turned out that it was just so happened the old crone himself had a vehicle or two tarped up down in the barn. Just waiting for a chance to get hotted up, the old man assured him. Right as rain, you'll see. Most folks nowadays don't like combustion, but I prefers it. Always starts. The old truck was right up Answer's Alley. A 1964 Chevy. Flatbud. One ton. It wheezed and grumbled, but once they switched the batteries for the second time, it fired right up. Answer paid the old man and blasted for the highway. Out on the flats, on the way to the high country, the weathered vestiges of past industry, cattle culture, short grain, ag, and milling operations dot the valley bottoms. This part of the country still hasn't come back to life. Despite the immense population pressures on the coast, this place, with its median temperature at 42 degrees, just didn't act as a magnet to large groups of settlers. Strange, Ancher thinks. You'd suppose any place with water like this would attract folks. The Skagit River, all 250-odd clicks of it, creases the valley's belly like a liquid zipper, separating the country into roughly equal parts. But the corporate water scavengers own what's left of the Diablo 20-Zero Dam, the Ross Dam, and its output, too, so the lower reach is nothing but a dry gulch. Answer finds himself looking out the crumpled remnants of teepee burners, the skeletal bodies of grain silos leaning for support on stoop-roof barns, reconsidering his assumptions. There's probably nobody out here because the Indu boys own the whole place. Contact with a massive chuck hole jolts Answer out of his reverie. The road, poorly maintained, if at all, demands a bigger slice of his attention. The window is down, a sharp current of cold air circulates in the truck cab. Frost reinforces the alpine meadows that stretch off to the foothills. The chill wakens his senses. He can see his breath, feel the blood rushing through him. His hands are electrified, sensitive to every contact. To the north, the tangerine weep of early light tints the distant peak of Mount Baker. Answer hope it stays dry. Out this far on the western flats, 
Rain is generally no problem. Up in the high country, it's too early for snowshoes, even in the canyons. His body is relaxed. The hands, resting on the shift job, drop to the seat beside him, and he touches the lump in his right pocket. A warmth emanates from the contents of the pouch closeted there. Why did she give it to me? Answer leans into the wheel, stretching to get a better view of the mountains to the east. In the distance, maybe a mile off, he sees four birds soaring. Bald eagles, he says out loud. God damn. He pulls off the road, steps down from the truck. There's no traffic, just a single bony flank steer heading down to the drainage culvert. One of the distant flock of eagles separates from the group and moves in his direction. In less than two minutes, the enormous raptor is overhead, circling his position. Answer tilts his head back, shielding his eyes so he can see the bird's color. As he watches, the enormous bird folds its wings, putting them behind its back as casually as someone placing a bowl on a shelf and drops out of the sky. It plummets towards Answer, gaining speed like a feathered stone falling to earth. At the last possible moment, the bird spreads its wings and breaks to an impossible landing atop the knob of moss-covered fence post, leaning sideways in the ditch, less than a meter from where he stands. A single frame image appears in Answer's mind. It is a replication of this section of the valley, every detail from an aerial perspective. There's no possibility it can be anything else since Answer himself is in the picture, standing next to the rusty flatbed, looking up at something in the air. A question sounds inside his head. He can hear the rumbling bass tones of the jaguar's voice. Do you see? I will summon the others. My brethren, the eagle and the snake. So this is how it works. Eyes, not my own. Yes, I see, he says. The eagle, whose piercing stare has been fixed on Answer's face, leaps heavenwards the powerful surge of its enormous wings lifting it up and away from its roadside perch with the ease of dandelion fluff riding a breeze. In less than an hour, the broad valley bottom of alpine meadows fall away, replaced in the rear view by deep gashes, gorges and canyons impossibly steep, carved into the granite by glaciers that plowed this land 12,000 years ago. Mists hang on the roadside canyons, hiding the choke of fir trees that cling to each steep rock wall. He moves past the ruin of Marble Mount, abandoned since the demise of the tourist industry, and runs until he sees the signs of New Halem. Another few miles, and he pulls off the road alongside Bacon Creek Bridge. Diablo's just up the road. Won't do to pull into town and just walk onto the sourdough trailhead. Too many eyes. He stuffs his supplies, the things he's already got along with the newly acquired hardware goods and some ropey beef jerky and bread, into his pack and sets the bag by the roadside up in the trees. Gets back in the truck and drives it a kilometer or so back down the road to an abandoned barn where he backs it under the rotten timbers. No sense letting the world know he's arrived. Back at his stash, he shoulders the pack, checks the sun and begins hiking up the canyon bottom. As he steps across the creek the first time, jumping from one mossy rock to another, he feels his spirits lifting. The adrenaline is starting to buzz in his body, and his head feels suddenly clear. Up ahead, a stellar's jay threads its way up the creek, landing on a tree branch overlooking the cascading water and shrieking at the trespasser. Answer smiles at the noise, and hopes there aren't many of these little tattletales on the backside of Sourdough Mountain. He stops just once to check his bearings, 
This is a hard route to get at the old National Fire Service suppression campsite, but that's just the reason to take it. As he moves off, picking up the pace, he realizes that the coordinator was probably pissed when she found out he was off on his own again. She'll be breaking a sweat ring and I've got to blow this whole setup, he thinks with a smile. He gives a little hop to avoid crushing a fragile fern. Nothing to it, he thinks. We'll all hit the place together. I'll just get there my own way. Please join us next week for Chapter 27 of Criminal Magic. If you're enjoying our podcast, please leave a rating and review and help others find it as well. Thanks for listening.